Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Woo, hold up. Just got a new sale. Order fulfilled and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world. Ah, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Inside the Five. I'm Griff. And I'm Will. And on today's episode, we got two special guests. So I'm going to introduce them now. Stav, you've already been on the pod. How you doing? What's going on, guys? Glad to be back. And then we got our boy Darren zooming in all the way from Florida. Darren, welcome to the podcast for the first time. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yep. So Darren does all our logos. You know, Stav writes blogs for us. Stav's been on the pod before. It's going to be a great episode. We're going to talk some NFL Week 10 action. Uh, we're going to talk about the Pats, obviously, the Seahawks, obviously, a little Monday Night Football. We're going to be talking about the Celtics. We also got the NBA power rankings and MLB free agency just starting. So let's do it. With 10 of the NFL is officially wrapped up. We're going to get things kicked off on Sunday. We're going to get things started with the Cowboys taking on the Falcons. They beat them 43 to three. The question is guys, I don't know who wants to go first. Are the Cowboys serious contenders? Um, I mean, good teams always battle back from adversity, which is kind of a theme that I've followed, especially with what we've seen from the Patriots in the past 20 years during the Brady era. So Dallas got smacked by Denver, who was an inferior team, and it looked like they didn't even care about that game. And for them to bounce back against an Atlanta team that I consider to be decent, although they don't have Calvin Ridley, to beat them 43-3, to that's a staple win for that team. Like, you expect the Falcons to score around 20 points, like 28 points. They have a good offense, but they Dallas defense absolutely shut them down, which was very good, and I think they are contenders after that. Yeah. That and that's that's I think what their I was defense thinking. makes them more contenders. Exactly. I was about to say their offense has so many names, but if their defense can actually truly lock up, the offense will put enough points up for them. It's just about the games where they get into shootouts and their defense doesn't come through. I know Darren was talking 
to me before about it. I don't know if you have anything else about their defense, D. Um, yes, defense with the four turnovers this week is exceptional, but it's not consistent with them. So they're going to yeah. be scoring 30-plus points in the majority of the games. Uh, other than their digs and interceptions, they don't really got much on the defensive side. Yeah, that's true. It, 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 I, don't trust them. I don't trust them to make a deep run. Yeah, we've seen Michael Parsons go off, but when you have two names, it's a, it's an 11-man defense. So it's not like anything can really happen with two names. But I do like the way that they played this week. I like the way that the offense played. I like the way the, play, the defense played. I feel like it just all around clicked. And I think that they can do that because you have to think about it. Like the NFL in the playoffs is so different from the MLB and the NBA. You don't have to win a seven-game series. You can just have a good day on Sunday. You can have one good day a week, have it be on Sunday, and you can win a Super Bowl. Like, not not actually, but you only have to play one game against the team. It's not a series, so. I was gonna, yeah, no, I was going to say, like, I feel like we can't trust the Cowboys to go far yet just because we literally haven't seen them go far. Like, exactly. Literally, maybe ever. Yeah. And no. I feel like they have – like I feel like we've we've been saying they have the right tools to do so every year, but their defense is always just so banged up. So I feel like this year we can count more on the thought of them going farther than we have in the past. Right. I agree with that too. And kind of just as my last point about the Cowboys, they kind of control their own destiny because they've locked up their division, in my opinion. Like the NFC yeah. East is the Cowboys. Easy division. They're I don't think and like Philly is not going to do anything. Washington, they had a good game this week. We'll get into that later. But I just think Dallas controls their own destiny. They're going to get a top four seed. And it all depends on how disciplined they are down the stretch, too. They can't get too ahead of themselves. They have a young team. They have a young defense. But I feel like Dan Quinn is going to ground that defense and make them focused, especially in a late run. And like Will just said, I trust them more so this year to make a run compared to any other years, especially because I feel like the NFC is kind of top heavy and even the top tier teams that had really bad games. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, and the, the NFC, that, that's what I've noticed. It is very top heavy. You think that the NFC is like nasty because you have like the Packers, you have the, the Rams, you have the Cardinals, obviously coming both from the NFC West. But then I look at my team in the Seahawks, we're three and six right now and we're one game from the seventh seed. So, like, it's easy to sneak in, and the Cowboys, they can sneak in, play a five seed, or if they can even finish off this year strong, play a six or a seven seed. It might be an easy route to the next round, at least divisional, if not the if not the NFC championship. So, it's going to be interesting to see how they perform next week after having one bad week, one good week, see if they can keep up this form or if it's going to be like a pattern all season, which we see in some teams. So we can't really judge off this right now. We're going to have to see how they play in the long term. But moving on, uh, we have all three of you guys' team, the Patriots, with a big dub against the Browns. Browns, a very good team. Beat them 45-7. to seven. Um, Darren, you can get things kicked off. How, how does that game make you feel as a fan? Uh, Max Jones is the real deal. I mean, bottom line, real deal. I mean, not only is he proving that he's the best rookie quarterback in the league, I think he's proven that he can revive the Patriots dynasty. But he's that good. Wow, that good. That yeah. good stuff. What do you think? So, obviously, I'm excited because Mac Jones, like Darren just said, has kind of solidified himself as the guy for the Patriots right now. And although 
we kind of figured that the defense was going to do their thing this year. They had their talented defense. I had said before the year they're going to finish top five. But the fact that the offense is now clicking is a very good sign. And it kind of rings in the back of my head like we kind of, the Patriots kind of have a gauntlet coming up. I mean, the Falcons, I, I have high praise for the Falcons, even though they, their record's not that good. I think their offense is pretty good. Then they got they have the Falcons, they have the Titans and the Bills, the Colts and the and the Bills again. So yeah. the next five games, I think if they can go three and two or four and one in that stretch, I seriously think that they will make a deep run in the playoffs this year in the AFC. I agree. I think they have the capability to do so, especially like as you said with the Cowboys, the defense is going to hold them together throughout their deep run. Um, also, I think Tyran Matthew said it the best. Dude can play QB. Period. I mean, like he he went into saying that like just because he doesn't throw sidearm or run fast, like people are knocking him, which I feel like is a fair point. Like everyone's I mean, looking for that guy who can make every single play possible. Yeah. Behind center and like he literally doesn't have to, and they're playing like a football team. What I what I love about Mac Jones from like an outsider standpoint is it's the same thing. We're drafting quarterbacks that can make winning plays. And that's awesome if they do. Like if they if they pan out, that's awesome. But picking Mac Jones with the 15th pick, you're gonna pick a super consistent guy. He's not gonna win you games. Like he's not gonna make the superstar winning plays right now, at least, but he's not gonna make the losing play. In my opinion, he's not going to make the wrong decision. He's going to make the right decision 90% of the time. And then that other 5% of the time, he's going to make a wrong decision. The the other 5% of the time, he's going to try to make the winning play, which is what Jalen Hurts and Justin Fields are doing 90% of the time instead of making the right play. That's why I love Mac Jones. If he keep, If he just keeps going like that, he can keep developing. And you'll see him become a star because he'll gain more confidence. He'll gain more skill. I agree. I was also going to say, I feel like that was like the smartest pick for the Pats. Cause then again, you can count on him to make like pretty much the right decision instead of like trying to go for it all on a play where they need to, instead of just like, instead of trying to risk something and getting no reward back. I feel like with a lot of the QBs that are pretty much just trying to make that highlight play or like that game winning play when there's really no need to. And we're going to see it too. Now, I think, I mean, a huge knock on Tom Brady in the past was he was a system quarterback. Right. And I think in the first part of Tom Brady's career, he was a system quarterback, the system he was drafted into helped him succeed. And we're seeing that now with Mac Jones, he has the tools around him and he has his security blanket with Hunter Henry and even Jacoby Myers. Jacoby Myers goes over the middle a few times a game, catches a pass and gets knocked, like gets hit hard, but he holds on to him. He's tough. There's a certain toughness I, I about like this team. Yeah. There's a certain toughness about this Patriots team that if I'm an opposing defense or even an opposing offense, obviously, I just don't want to run into him come late November, December when I'm trying to make a playoff run. Yeah, and he's consistent too. I mean, fourth in the league for completion percentage, and he's got touch. Like, can't teach he that, does. but he's he's got touch. Like he the uh, like midway through the second quarter, he gets Jacoby Myers in the twenty-five yard fade. Like people saying you can't throw the long ball, but that was a perfectly placed placed pass. Then play after the next one, fires into double coverage for that uh, warm touchdown. It's just it's beautiful. Yeah. 
And, and that's the, that's the thing. Not only do I love the pick of Mac Jones for the Patriots, but I love that the that the Patriots are like getting Mac Jones because they have already the shell to build around him, which is tough. What we're seeing with Trevor Lawrence, what we're seeing with um with Joe Burrow right now is like, there's not a big team around him. Like the Patriots have the Patriots have a solid O line. They have low key offensive targets and they got them this off season, most of them. And they've had the defense for years on years on end, but these top quarterbacks usually aren't going to a team like the Patriots, Mac Jones or the Pats got lucky to get Mac Jones at 15. I think he should have gone way before that. But once again, it's to the point where, the scouts love seeing quarterbacks that'll make winning plays because they need that right now from a losing franchise. While the Pats were like, we're going to take this surefire bet. And this kid's going to be good. He's going to be really good. And, and he looks like the best rookie quarterback right now. I don't know if that'll be the case in the long run because everybody has a young career right now, but the kid's consistent and, he, and he's going to stay consistent in my opinion, because what I said earlier, another, another big piece for them, that could that could come to form is their running back Ramondre Stevenson I don't know if anybody has more information about him because obviously I'm not a Patriots fan but to my knowledge he's a rookie and he's been injured for the past couple of games or maybe the past like five games so I don't know what he could do is bold and better because Ramondre Stevenson's had a great game and I, I don't know much about him um, biggest takeaway from that game is he didn't look like a rookie out there. But he had a lot of patience behind the line of scrimmage. He's running downhill. He's picking up, I think, at least five yards a carry. That was the average. He did not look like a rookie. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point, too. And I thought not even just running the ball, too. Out of the backfield, he was making some plays. And we saw it last week, too. We had a 40-yard reception off of a screen. He's making open field cuts which you don't really expect out of a power running back, but also in the pass protection game too. Bill Belichick always emphasizes that you need a guy to be solid on all facets of the game. And especially with his running backs, we've seen it in the past, you know, guys like um, LeGarrette Blunt, guys like even way back in the day, Kevin Falk, they're always solid in pass protection. And there was a few clips of um, Ramondre Stevenson just picking up blocks, picking up linebackers that were running three with, which allowed Mac Jones to make these throws down the field, which I'm happy to see. And I just thought the whole entire offensive line and the offense against the Browns was just unreal. That was a great game for them. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, they do have a great offensive line as they have for years. A few pickups in the offseason. I mean, it, it's, it's amazing to see the way that they actually did this because we all knew it was coming. It's like, I uh, I used to joke on Will, like, last year, it was like, I don't know, the Pats might turn around right away or they might suck for the next 20 years, and, like, that would be great for me. Like, I don't, I don't hate the Pats, but I would prefer my team to be doing better. But it's, it's just like that, as we should have expected, is they're back. And it only took, what, one year? Crazy. And, and it does involve the Kraft family, and it does involve Belichick heavily. It was just a great job. And I, what I loved is what I've never seen from Bill Belichick with the Pats is he went out and he actually made moves in the offseason. He didn't rely on the draft. He knew that he had a chance to pick up these targets, to pick up Hunter Henry, to pick up Nelson Aguilar and just go make plays. Originally he had him for Cam Newton, but I know in, in mind he was trying to look at Mac Jones and kind of make it work for either one of those two. 
I think his plan A was Mac Jones, and I think it's working out really good. So moving on, we have we have maybe the worst game of all time. Uh, we saw the Lions winless. We saw the Steelers, who looked winless. And um, in my article, actually, in my blog that I just posted on Tuesday, I said this game reminded me of that scene from Charlie Brown where he goes to, like, kick the field goal and she just picks the ball up and he falls. That's what this game was. Like, it was just that on repeat. It was, it was an embarrassing game for both teams. That's, like, how I have to put it. It was terrible. It was by far the ugliest game I think I've watched in a long time. Yeah. <clears throat> like, just the consecutive, like, fumbles and turnovers, like, made no sense. And, like, I can't say it was unlike the Lions to have a lot of turnovers or even the Steelers, but, like, I don't know. I feel like golf isn't really like a, a turnover guy like that much. Even even just like the players on their team don't even seem like big turnover players, but it was just ugly. It was. And uh, it was like snowing. It was snowing during the game, but it wasn't sticking. So it was a slippery game still. My my two biggest plays of that game that I watched was when Pat Fryermuth caught a pass to get them like within two yards of um, – like the field goal line that they put up on the screen. Um, he was like two yards away. He fumbles it. Like while he's trying to step out of bounds, he fumbles it. The Lions get the ball on the next drive. They kick a 48-yard field goal. And it literally was the worst field goal I've ever seen in my life. It was an awful field goal. That field goal was awful. And it I wasn't also tipped or anything. The last play of the game. I want to talk about the last play of the game because I'm pretty sure it was second down when there was only like 10 seconds left. And he wow. threw it to like kind of it was kind of midfield but not really and he cut back into the field and lateraled it towards the sideline like buddy had like seven seconds at least to go out of bounds and they could have just tried for a long field goal and at least made an attempt at winning the game like i'm pretty sure they lost 15 yards on that play yeah (laughs) and it was it was a yeah what you got um so I was kind of just going to bring up how the AFC North, everyone is considered good in that division right now, especially because the Bengals had a hot start. Yeah. But are they actually? Like, if we're being real, the Ravens just had a terrible loss. I think the mm-hmm. Ravens are the best team in that division. The Bengals are the Bengals. Like, no one really expects anything out of them. The Browns, they made the playoffs last year. They just got rid of what was holding them back and Odell Beckham. and it just they get the snot kicked out of them like and then the Steelers tie which I, I consider a tie to the Lions at home a loss that's like a you know, loss that's, in my opinion yeah it's it just that's an ugly game that although Big Ben was out but mm. in what way would that game Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar 
or pie made with fresh cosmic crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Have changed if Big Ben was in. You know what I mean? Like, Mason Rudolph, yeah, he sucks, but, like, how much better is he – or how much worse is he than Big Ben, you know? So, yeah, no, I don't know. I, I just think that was, AFC North is up in the grabs for no reason. <laughs> Not in a good way. Uh, that, that makes sense. I was going to say that whole division's either banged up or overrated. Like, literally every single team yeah. is pretty much just Whoa. injury – is injury-plagued. And, like, I would say, like, I can't really, can't really call the Bengals overrated because they had a hot start, but, like, they kind of are because, yeah. like, they have hype you're, you're going you're gonna to expect them to – you're going to expect to beat them, but, like, you can't be surprised if you lose. Right. Yeah, I think the Bengals, we talked about it. They lost last week. They have a bye this week. Their loss last week was a reality check. That was like, okay, like we're the Bengals, you know? So it's about how they, how they come back from that. If they can win a couple more games, I don't think the Bengals make the playoffs. I think there's literally no chance they make the playoffs, especially being in that division where you have the Ravens and the Steelers and the Browns. That's just too many teams to be consistent against. Um, as for the Ravens, they're like the most hyped up team ever because of Lamar. I think Lamar is having a really good season. He did not have a good game last week, but other than that, he he's having a really good season and he just needs Marquise Brown. I don't like Marquise Brown. I don't know why I loved him. He's just not a good wide receiver one. Lamar needs more pieces around him other than just a tight end and a couple like average receivers. The defense is all right. The defense, it was a lot better last year and the year before, in my opinion. And then the Steelers, I just think the Steelers, they're on the downfall. Like it's, it's the end of that little Ben run. And the AFC North is in just such a weird time where it's the shifting of like the, the Bengals sucked and the Steelers were nasty for years. Now it's like, everybody's going to start to even out because that era of Steelers football is like leaving. So we're going to see a couple years of average. And then we're going to see a couple few more years of what the AFC North is like. I just feel like we're in the transition period right now. Which, which makes it more fun, too. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that, but I'm also kind of confused in what direction the Steelers are actually going in. Because you know Big Ben's – he was about to retire in the yeah. offseason after the loss to the Browns in the playoffs. What's their plan? You know, they went out and drafted pieces to help Big Ben uh, or help the offense. You got Najee Harris, you got Pat Fryer move. Like, you got Claypool, you got – and Juju's out for the season, I think, but bring him back on a one-year deal. But you don't draft the quarterback. You have your two backups, Dwayne Haskins, who was on his phone during the warm-ups, literally not giving a fuck. And then, I'm sorry, but I don't know if we can swear or not on this. No, show, yeah, but, we can swear. Um, good. Okay, yeah, well, my stance stands on him. But he's a mess. He literally does not care about football from what it seems. And then Mason Rudolph is not good either right now. So what are they – they're going to – probably finish around 500 maybe a little better you're gonna get like the 20th pick and then what you know you're gonna draft you're gonna draft the quarterback you what are they gonna do 
like their line sucks. Their quarterback yeah. situation is not good. And you draft a running back, but you put them behind a terrible offensive line. So I'm just confused on where the Steelers are going to go. I think their defense is solid. I just don't know what they can actually do in the stack AFC or the just like the cluster of the AFC. It, I think I, I don't know. I wouldn't say it's stacked. They're solid, and they're all around the same. So it's just like it's not yeah, a that, stacked AFC. They that's just, why I brought up the, the cluster. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's exactly just like what a it cluster is. It's a cluster of mid teams. It's just like four like, teams that could be good or could be bad. And it's always like every two weeks a new one seed approaches. Like right now it's the Titans. In the beginning of the season, it was the Bills or the or the Chiefs and the Chiefs fell off and now they're back. Like it's just the AFC's yeah. in shambles right now. And the, now the Patriots are back in the picture. The Raiders are, it's just like no team's consistent. So I, I'm just interested to see, especially this year, I feel like is the chance of the AFC. It's wide open. No one knows who's going to win the AFC. So if you're going to make a run, make it now. So that's kind of my like, stance on it. Which is like awesome. The idea of like, we just we just finished up with week ten, and we like don't know even who's gonna win the AFC, let alone win the Super Bowl. Like I feel like in past years we're like, all right, Chiefs, Bucks. Obviously the Bucks weren't actually that good, but we're still like halfway through the season. Like the Bucks are probably gonna be in it. I think last year we thought the Saints a little bit too, but like for years it's been like Patriots, 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 and like it's awesome. But like as a as a fan of a team that's not in the AFC, and it was the same with the NBA. It's like I knew the Celtics weren't going to be good, and I, I'm kind of comparing it to the NBA Finals last year, where it was Suns Bucks. Those teams were two very solid teams, but it hasn't been Warriors against the um, Cavs or like the Lakers with LeBron. Like I'm enjoying this. This is like a great time to be a sports fan because just so many new teams are like solid teams. And the, and the dynasties are kind of leaving and new ones are being created in both of these leagues. It's kind of funny we bring up the Steelers and what direction they're actually going to go because they're facing this, the Chargers on Sunday night. And the Chargers just announced that Bosa and their starting defensive tackle are on the COVID list. So expect a big game out of Najee Harris. Yeah, going to have to. And we, we love the Bolts, so... I'm I'm kind of rooting for them there, but um, moving on, we got you guys former quarterback the goat. Um, he got outgoated by our guy Taylor Heineke. Uh, as Washington wins twenty nine to nineteen, Taylor Heineke didn't even throw for a lot of yards. I think he just over he had like just over one hundred and fifty yards. Um, but he threw a touchdown. I just don't know why Brady cannot play great games against this kid who he should be blowing out. Uh, Heineke had uh, 256. Um, oh, it was so just over 250. Good. Just over yeah. 250, not 150. Yeah, no, I don't know how they did it. Chase Young, sadly, during the game, went out with a knee injury. It was later found out that it was a torn ACL. That's a tough loss for a defense that was supposed to be a top five defense going this year. Obviously, it hasn't done much, but looked very good last week. And they looked good against against the Buccaneers this week, letting them 19 points in the Washington in the uh, offense, putting up 29 for them. Just overall, a, a good game from the Bucs. It's one of those sneaky games where it's like the Bucs aren't actually like a legit team, but they'll come up and, and get a big win and we'll be like, what's happening halfway through the season? 
So I, I had to include that one because Heineke in the playoffs, we saw it last year, almost took down Brady in the first round. And now he is taking down Brady. So who knows what's up with Taylor Heineke? Maybe he should just play every time they play the Bucs. But, um, but up next up, we got my team. We got Seattle taking a tough loss in Green Bay at Lambeau against the Packers. Russ came back for this game. Rodgers got placed back on the, on the roster after being on the COVID list. Um, so it was really just who was going to come back stronger, and it definitely did not look like Russell Wilson. It, it did not. And in my opinion, he looks scared, which he has before. And I say it all the time. Sometimes he just looks scared, but then sometimes he'll make that play where it's like, all right, we're good. That play just didn't happen this week. No, no. Um, he oh, said well, after the go. game. I know he said after the game the thumb didn't bother him. I totally feel like it did. I feel like you obviously you have to say that, but like when you get shut out, I feel like that's just you just like you automatically know that clearly that was probably an issue. Right. All right. Um. And like it just they just didn't look great. Yeah. Griff, if I'm you, if I'm a Seahawks fan, you obviously you're pissed you get shut out, right? But yeah. that's the first time in Russell Wilson's career that he's got shut out. And yeah. that's not going to happen again Crazy. for a Which while. Crazy. Like, that's the craziest stat to even think about a quarterback who's been playing for how many how many years has he been in the league now? He got Eight, drafted in nine? 2012. It's, he got drafted in 2012. It's yeah, been so like around nine, nine years. Yeah. Great so, memories. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to just be like, okay, his, like, his, we, like, we always say when we get smacked in shell, that's our warm up game. Yeah, yeah, it's just like right game. now. And that's no, that's exactly what I said to my roommates <laughs> on Sunday because my other roommate is also a Seahawks fan. And I was like, Yeah, dude, it's just a warm up. Like, we'll be fine. We'll get we'll get going the next week. In my opinion, yeah. or in my mind, we starting from the Packers game, we had to go six and three to make the playoffs. Now maybe six and two, maybe five and three, the way that the NFC is going. But um, yeah, I just need I need Russ to get a little bit more comfortable. Um, he didn't find Lockett, or at least I don't. I didn't see it. It was a big thing at halftime. He didn't find Lockett or DK, but then he found DK a couple times. I think he found Lockett once, the whole game. Yeah, I I don't. I think you're right about that. And three times, still not a lot for Tyler so, Lockett. Two times. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> so yeah, no. I mean, the thing with the the Seahawks have a. Like I kind of brought up with the Patriots before, they have a gauntlet coming up. Mm-hmm. By a gauntlet, I mean the Cardinals, Washington, and the 49ers. And then the Texans, which will be a win, and then the Rams. So that next four games, or the next five games, rather, if they can manage to go like four and one in that stretch, like I kind of said with the Patriots, they're, I think they're right back in the mix. Because the NFC, the division leaders are kind of set, I think, like the, the top four seeds – are going to be set kind of interchangeable within the four, but the next three playoff spots are just up for grabs. You know, you know, you got the AFC North only has one playoff team right now. I think the Vikings are playing very subpar. The NFC West has, I think probably like four playoff caliber teams though, which is kind of surprising. Yeah. It's it's been like that for the past couple of years. You just got to win the next five games aside the season, probably for a majority of the teams that are kind of like in the hunt. So, 
And, and that's like it's crazy to think like four and one out of out of those next five games, which which I agree on, is we're not better than all five of those teams, like in any means. But we could still go four and one. Like we're a team that can just come back and Russ can start cooking. And I know our defense and all those ranks isn't good. They let up 17 points against Aaron Rodgers Packers, which 17, I mean, that's like, all right, two touchdowns and a field goal. I love the way that they played. And I love the way that they're playing the past few games. They are last in yards, which everybody knows. And they're, um, they're last in, I think, third down conversion as well. But in the red zone, they're top 10 defense for not allowing scores in the red zone. And they are, I think, top five defense, I think I saw. For top five, it was uh, third down conversions in the red zone. They get it done in the red zone. Most majority of their touchdowns, from a fan standpoint, have been outside the red zone. That's why I noticed it, so I looked it up. We were locking up when we are inside 20 yards because Bobby Wagner and Jamal Adams can make every play with inside 20 yards. I like the way Quandre Diggs has stepped up. I love Trey Flowers at corner as he keeps progressing, young kid. Our defense, not doing good in ranks, but we're starting to heat up. And it's kind of almost what I saw with the Seahawks last year. It might just work out. We might make a little run at it. I don't know if we're going to go that deep in the playoffs. Maybe we can sneak out of the wild card. But I like the way our defense is starting to heat up. Jamal Adams caught his first pick in a Seahawks Seahawks uniform. Only his third one of his career. But, yeah, I mean, I don't mind. Obviously, I don't like to see the loss. But I don't mind the loss to the Packers. The Packers are one of the best teams in the NFL right now. I mean, also, if you think about it, they only let up three points for the first three quarters. Exactly. To hold, to hold Aaron Rodgers that low through three quarters, is that's a pretty good defense. It was, it was the lowest scoring first sure. half of Russell Wilson's career, like combined scores, which would make sense because he's never been shut out. But surprise, we've never been up 3-0. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not so mad. Yeah, the Seahawks can continue what they did in those first three quarters. They're looking, they're looking up right now. Yeah, we were very good on defense in those first three quarters. Kind of, kind of, um, just let it go in the fourth. But that's also an issue with the offense not being able to score, which has never been a problem and probably won't be a problem from here on out. So, um, moving on to our last game that we're going to cover on Sunday, and that is the Chiefs against the Raiders. Um, it was actually a big resounding win for the Chiefs. And that, oh, and that brings up uh, this won't be the last Sunday game. Thanks for reminding me. Um, so back to the Chiefs winning 41 to 14. You think the Chiefs just had like a little start of the season hiccup? Or do you think we're good to go now? Or do you think they'll fall right back down? I want to say. <clears throat> Like the trend's been for like most of the teams we've been talking about who could be really good contenders. Obviously, them being in the Super Bowl last year, I feel like it starts and ends with their defense. I just don't think they pulled pulled it all together to begin with with the season. They had a good game. Obviously, they won 41 to 14, only let up 14 points. So, I mean, that's good. The Raiders offense is actually still pretty good regardless of who they've lost, especially with injuries and everything going on with them. But at the same time, um, I think their defense is what's going to set the tone for the rest of the season for them. And if they can't do anything, 
about that, then they're just going to keep going back down. They do play the Cowboys, which is going to be a tough game. And then they play the Broncos and then the Raiders again. So, and then they play the Chiefs after after that. So their next four games aren't too bad. I feel like the Cowboys and the Chargers are going to be the toughest games since they already beat the Raiders. And then the Broncos, I feel like, are just not really that big of a deal anymore. It's also crazy that, like, we're looking at it as a turnaround, even though they're on a three-game win streak, that we just expect so much out of the Chiefs. But this is – that being six and four top of the division is still, like – yeah, exactly. Like they shouldn't be six and four. Like everybody thought we're going into the season, like 17 game season. Like they're going to go like 16 and one, 15 and two. They come out not looking that great. And we know who they lost on the O line. We know who they lost on defense, all of that. But you thought Patrick Mahomes could just make it happen because that's what he does. And, and it seems like he will. I like the Chiefs in the AFC this year, especially with the way the AFC is going. I think the Chiefs, six and four, they're going to get in the playoffs. Um, I think they'll end up winning the division, which is sad for the Chargers. I think the Chargers can still sneak in the playoffs, but I think it's just the Chiefs' division for the next 10, 15 years with Pat Mahomes. Justin Herbert, love him. I don't think he'll ever be as good as that guy. That guy, one of the most talented quarterbacks we've ever seen, if not the most talented, maybe Aaron Rodgers. But, um, yeah, like it's just the Chiefs' division – and we have such high expectations for him. And that's why I said, like, is this a turnaround? Because I'm supposed to be seeing the Chiefs win every week. So it's weird that we haven't been seeing that this year. Um, but I think oh. – No, you're good. You're good. I was just I, – I don't know if we're wrapping up the Chiefs segment, but I just kind of wanted to say this Chiefs season's kind of a microcosm of what the Chiefs are. So, like, we always see the Chiefs, oh, the first quarter, they, they're losing, and then – second half or whatever going into halftime they're down and then boom third quarter hits they score 38 unanswered points and we're like wow what the hell happened so I feel like we're going to kind of see that but as the season so they started off what two and four three and four or whatever it was yeah and then they're just randomly going to be 12 and four and we're gonna be like whoa like yeah it's just going to kind of lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once actually do i have to say yes you do in the car before my kids pta meeting really yes excuse me what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky i never win and tell well there you have it you could get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com play for free right now are you feeling lucky no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details with the new chevy silverado you might be driving in this but with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. They always sneak up on us. And if we've wa- if you've watched kind of like what the Chiefs have done all year, it's they, Pat Mahomes has thrown a lot of picks. But I want to say around four, like 60% of them have been just off of drops that receivers, drops, receivers should yes, have caught. Off tips. So you've got to think of how many possessions have just been thrown away in which that it's on chiefs like mistakes. And I don't know. I just think the chiefs are still probably the best team in the AFC. I mean, they like have to be with the receiving core that they have for Pat Mahomes. And they still have a couple of names on defense, not as many, not as many as they used to, but I mean, they've got to be the team to be out of the um, AFC to actually wrap up. Sunday 
Um, we have the Panthers game. Just want to breeze over it. 34 to 10 over Arizona. Obviously, Arizona didn't have D Hop or Kyler, but Arizona with a very good record. Tough loss for them. Cam Newton is officially back. Will actually wearing a Panthers hat right now. Will, I know you love Cam, so I had to ask you, did it feel good to see him back in Panthers, or do you like him? Did you like him more on the Pats? Because I love him on the Panthers. I was so happy to see him go back to the Panthers. Like, it just felt right. I don't know. Like, there's, like, certain things, like, when you see happen, it just feels good, feels right. That was one of them. Could have been any better that he threw and scored a touchdown. So, like, that's even better. First game back. It's like he never left. It's like he never (laughs) left. Yeah, no. So, I just wanted to cover that one because it it was hilarious. It was his first two plays that he got in. Obviously, P.J. Walker played the majority of the snaps. But the first two plays that he got in, they were both in the red zone. But ran one in and then passed one in. So that was like the greatest start to coming back to a team that you could possibly have. Um, to wrap up. The Pat special in the red zone. Oh, so the, first, the first play where he just like. The first play. They snapped the ball. He just, everybody like, took just off. blocked wherever and he just found where he could <laughs> sneak in. Yeah, that was hilarious. Yeah. Uh, to wrap up week 10, though, we got the 49ers against the Rams. Um, I would call this an upset. Obviously, they don't have Robert Woods. Um. OBJ came in, I think, 15 snaps, which wasn't a lot. We knew he was going to be limited limited because he just got in to the system, so he doesn't that definitely does not know the playbook. But 41 to 14 is a big, big, big loss. And I think that the Rams probably weren't expecting that because I wasn't expecting that. Matthew Stafford didn't really look that good. And they had a lot of um they had a lot of issues in that game, in my opinion. It was 31-10. I don't know why I said 41-14. So this is – I mean, Debo Samuel was insane. I yes. think he's just an insane talent. And it's funny because there was – I don't know when this Aaron Donald interview was. Was it last year or two years ago when a reporter asked Aaron Donald, how do you guys plan to stop a guy like Debo Samuel, who's an amazing athlete, and Aaron Donald says, who? As if – they weren't game planning all week to shut down Debo Samuel. I don't know what he was trying to get at there, but then Debo Samuel continues to destroy. I mean, Kyle Shanahan continues to destroy the Rams. And I don't th- I think he's won his last six match or the 49ers have won the last six matchups against the Rams. Yeah. Where it doesn't really five. Yeah. doesn't really matter who's that quarterback for each because they've kind of both been cha- interchangeable with Jimmy being hurt. Jared Goff is Jared Goff, but whatever. So <laughs> it's an interesting interesting little matchup that just makes the AFC West even more interesting. Yeah. And um, I wanted to say about Debo Samuel, I actually have him in fantasy and I think I sent you guys the screenshot yesterday. So going into Monday night football, I was up by 10. I had Debo Samuel, but my opponent had Matt Stafford, Daryl Henderson and the Rams defense. And obviously we all thought that the Rams were going to win this game and maybe have a good defensive game. I was projected to lose. Going into Monday Night Football, I was projected to lose by 25 points. And Debo Samuel single-handedly carried me, and I ended up winning by two points. So it was a it was a heroic fantasy win. It was one of the greatest moments of my life, Will. <laughs> Congratulations. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Huge dub. Huge dub. <laughs> Thanks, Will. <laughs> but anyways, moving on to um, a little NBA talk. I've been watching the absolute shit out of the Celtics. 
I'm 14 for 14 on games. I missed a little bit of Monday night's game. Just I missed the middle two quarters. I watched the first one and the fourth one. Um, but they're currently seven and seven, 500. Um, they're not sitting too good in the um, Atlantic, but split a game against or split a two game little series against the Cavs in Cleveland. The Cavs were eight and five, I think, going into the series. Kind of a decent team. But the Celtics are just so inconsistent. And I don't know how much um, you guys have been watching of the Celtics, but with, with Jalen Brown returning, I kind of like the way that they're going into this. I like the way that Robert Williams has been playing. I like the way that Jason Tatum has been playing in the last two, three-game stretch. And Dennis Schroeder, former Thunder, absolute like beast. Like he's, he's carrying right now. He's awesome. You know, the Celtics, I feel like it's kind of frustrating kind of from a standpoint where we continue to watch other teams in the East get better. You know, right. you have Brooklyn, a clear, I don't want to say a clear, but they have three superstars, Tyrese with this whole situation. But then you got Milwaukee with Giannis, Chris Middleton, and we barely beat them when they didn't even have their two best players. So, I, I like kind of like what I was saying before with the Steelers and you guys can kind of talk about it too. I don't know what direction the Celtics are going in. Are we trying to be a playoff team? Are we trying to rebuild? Like we kind of have all these pieces and they, just nothing blends right now. I just, I'm interested to see what direction this franchise. Is. Kind of feels like they don't even know and they're not making moves until they can figure it out. Exactly. That's that's exactly what I think, because it's like we have the young core and, and we have JB, we have JT, we have Rob Will right now. And it's like, what move can we make to make us a contender? Because we don't even know what we're doing, because we know Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are going to give us 25, 30 a game. But it's like, what are these other guys going to do? Like, is Robert Williams we, – we hype him up all the time. But, like, is Robert Williams going to be a center on a championship-caliber roster? He might be. He might not be. We don't know. We And Dennis Schroeder right now, we have him on a one-year deal. Are we going to resign him? Is he going to keep playing like this? We we really don't know. And there's a lot of stuff going on with Marcus Smart, too. And, and Will, ta- Will talked about it on the last episode. He said that he thinks he was trying to, like, make a statement to get the team together. But what he said maybe just got worded wrong or something and got lost because the way that I heard it when he just said straight up Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum don't want to pass the ball, that's, like, not something you go out to press with. So, like, I don't want to turn into a team that has locker room issues because I feel like we never have been that um, other than the Kyrie Irving era, but we all know why that happened. But, like, I just – there's really – this team is so confusing. That's the only way to put it. They're confusing, and I think you put it best, they're confused themselves. I think part of that's like the whole thing. hesitancy with, um, trying to get another superstar or trying to build around. Because the last times they tried to get superstars, Kemba Walker and Kyrie Irving, it didn't work out. Yeah, no, that's facts. And it's like we we had them at point guard, and obviously we have a shooting guard. We have a small forward. We, we picked them up at point guard, and it was like, okay, we have straight scoring at the one. But it's like we also have the wing talent that it would be awesome if, like, if you remember the way that Rondo played for the Celtics, still plays now. Obviously, we're not going to get that. We're not going to get a prime Celtics Rondo, but something that, like, somebody that likes to pass, 
but can also get buckets if they have to. I wish I wish we kind of would have stuck with Smart when he was younger. I don't like him at point guard now, but I, I liked him at point guard to begin. I wish we could have stuck with him so he could progress with those three at all times. Picking up Kyrie, picking up Kemba, it was like a fun experiment. Didn't work out. I feel like we should have got a star big to pair up with them and then stuck with a point guard that's going to pass, get, get JB and JT the ball and get out of the way, let them go to work. But when they absolutely have nothing going, then like he can kind of create instead of just making someone that's going to create every play. It kind of, it kind of took time and touches off of JB and JT in their young, young years. They're obviously still young, but like, I like the point guard situation they have now. It's just, if they picked up that big, instead of picking up Kemba or picking up Kyrie, if they picked up a big right now and somehow we landed someone like a Dennis Schroeder or Marcus smart could have progressed a different way while getting all the reps those years at point guard, we'd be a whole different team right now. Honestly, something that I'd like to see is, I don't know if he's on the team right now, but just to re-sign Isaiah Thomas, just for a little bit, see how it goes. Because, like, if we can get him going, then maybe we would know that we can get Marcus Smart out of there, make a trade for maybe Ben Simmons, because we have that scoring guard. But it would also just be nice to see IT back in green. I think the Celtics need the good juju of bringing back Isaiah Thomas. I've been saying that ever since, like, the whole Kyrie fiasco and then them, like, losing last year especially. I don't know why we just wouldn't bring him back on a vet minimum because what I don't understand as well, what are we doing with Peyton Pritchard? Because last year he was getting big minutes and scoring. Now he's coming back into the it's year two, had an excellent offseason in the summer league and in the, like the yeah. pro-am games. I know that's not really professional, but in the summer league, he was dominating. Give the kid a chance. Like, why are we putting a leash on him and like even Neesmith? Like, I, I don't know. I just think, Ime Udoka kind of needs to get his rotations together and needs to kind of look at, if we're not going to play Pritchard, trade him. He has high value. All these right. guys have high value. If you're not going to play him, why let him rot on the bench? And, and, and that's exactly what I've been saying. Peyton Pritchard had such an impressive rookie year. Obviously, he stayed all four years um, in Oregon, which is a great program to build up players. So we knew he was going to come out and produce. Um, and I'm seeing games where he's getting one minute. Why, why is our second-year point guard that had such an impressive rookie performance getting one minute in a game? When even I've noticed with Jalen Brown out, it's the same thing. He's not getting more minutes with Jalen Brown out, and they're running Dennis Schroeder and Marcus Smart in the same starting lineup. So who's coming off that bench to play the guard spot? They're bringing in Josh Richardson, which makes sense, but why don't we also bring in Peyton Pritchard for more minutes? Because he can play valuable minutes, and he's going to make moves to get players in open positions. He can knock down the three. He can drive. I mean, the only really big thing that he isn't great at is defense, but we have people around him that can make that happen. Josh Richardson, a great defensive player. Obviously, Tatum can get it done. Brown, smart. So why not give Pritchard the minutes? He's getting shots up. He's getting makes. He's getting assists when he's in. The issue is he's just never in it. It makes no sense because he's such a young talent. I feel like they should be able to run together. Yeah, I was just about to say what Will just said. 
Yeah, like they should be able to run together. And then as well, I was going to say before, we were talking about the front office being confused. I was going to say, I feel like we've been fixated on the fact that we've been seeing so many super teams around the league that we were drawn to the idea of why not make one because we have two stars and let's have a star point guard. And now we have three, now we have a big three. Because the last time we won, we had a big three. So like, that's all we know. So when we're trying to do that, I feel like that's just causing big problems, especially if we're going to go out and look for another star point guard, which I feel like that's going to be our tendency, regardless of our situation right now, no matter how good Dennis Schroeder's playing, no matter where we land with Marcus Smart, I feel like at the end of the day, our front office is still fixated on a point guard and not a big man, and that's why we're going to continue to lose. See, that doesn't make any sense for the uh, front office, considering our big three then was a shooting guard, a small forward, and a power forward. Why are we going for a point guard when we know that power forward works best in that situation? Power forward, if not center. Which totally makes sense. Which totally makes sense. It's just literally our tendency is to grab a point guard. We've we've done it pretty much three times in a row, except for this year, and we're just kind of beam average, which well, says a lot. Because look if we're at beam it. average like this, and we add uh, uh, we add another player, like a center or something like that, who's at least average or above average, then we'll become a really good team because of our like of because of Dennis Schroeder. I, I mean, obviously, we've said in the past. Like, we're huge Dennis Schroeder guys. And then the same thing back to Peyton Pritchard. The last four episodes we've recorded, we've noted at least four times that every four games that he's played, he's had under three minutes. Yeah. So it's interesting we bring up this whole aura of bringing in a point guard in the Celtics rotation and system. Look at every single successful big three. I mean, look at the Lakers, right? They're big three or whatever was you had Braun, AD, and it wasn't even a third guy, really. It was just kind of them in the bubble. But, like, you look at the Bucks. You got Drew Holiday, Giannis, and Chris Middleton. I think Drew Holiday's primary position is a shooting guard. He's yeah, he's playing point guard for the Bucks, but he's a shooting guard. So the three kind of, like, middle positions, as I like to call it, the shooting guard, small forward, and power forward, have to be your big three if you want to be successful. Like, you look at the Cavs. Like, I mean, Kyrie was a point guard, but he was facilitating for LeBron and Kevin Love. Like, he was more facilitating, facilitated oriented. It's just like, why you can't have a score first point guard, <clears throat> score first shooting guard, score first small forward. Like, it just three score first guys don't work. And we, we've seen it year in. No, exactly. And, and that's the thing with the big three and why everybody's so fixated on the big three. The big threes that we've seen work. With point guards, it's been Kyrie, Braun, Love. It's been Steph, Clay, and then KD or, or before that, Draymond. And those, those two point guards, Kyrie Irving and Steph Curry, it's not the way that they play. It's the way that they fit into that big three. Because not only do you have to fit into that starting five, we also have to fit into the big three that you're in. We have a scoring small forward. We have a scoring shooting guard. Honestly, we have two scoring small forwards right now. So why would we go out and get a scoring point guard when it's three of your smallest positions are your best players? You're, you're going to lose rebounds, which is what we've seen for the past few years. Now we don't have that third scorer, but we don't have a big either. We don't have either now. I agree. Yeah, so um, 
I mean, I guess we'll keep seeing with the with the Celtics. I say it every episode. It's just what what's going to happen next week because it, it changes every single week how I feel about them, just the way that they play. But um, we're gonna we're gonna move on. We're gonna kick it back to a classic from me and Will, and that is reacting, um, to the power rankings. This week we're gonna be doing some NBA power rankings. We're gonna be going over the top five. We're gonna be going over our teams as well. So I'm gonna get us kicked off. At number one, Stav, I'm going to let you talk about it first. We got the Golden State Warriors at 11-2. and two. Warriors are back. You know, you got Steph Curry playing at MVP level. He doesn't even care that they the NBA has a new ball. He's going to shoot. He'll shoot a basketball. He'll shoot a baseball. He'll shoot anything, and he'll get 30 at night. And then you got the role players playing up to their potential, which we saw in the past with the Warriors, and that's how they succeed. Gary Payton... Is, is it the second? Is that how he's called? Gary Payton, the second, not junior? I don't know. Whatever. He's he's playing like a superstar. His defensive presence is always noted. Draymond Green's facilitating, getting his 5-5-5-5 five, 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 five performances. You know, they, they just got the pieces. They're a fun team to watch. And, I mean, I always knocked the Warriors when they had KD. But now I love watching the Warriors. I love Steph, watching Steph Curry ball. And, I mean, tonight, a huge matchup with the Nets. That's yeah. going to be a great game. Yeah. Like the Warriors and the Nets, like everyone's performing well. And the Warriors are only going to get better when Clay Thompson and James Wiseman come back. You know, Andrew Wiggins is averaging 20. So you got Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green, and James Wiseman. That, that's probably the best. And if Clay can even return to a former shell of himself, that team's going to win, I think, the championship. Yeah, we haven't seen Clay in two years. So that, that'll be crazy to see. And as you put it, wasn't, wasn't the greatest fan of KD, but. Darren and Will know I loved the Warriors before KD. Like, obviously Celtics number one, but Warriors was a two on, on like, my favorite teams. I love Steph Curry. I have four pairs of Currys. Um, I just, like, I love the way that he plays basketball because it's not only, like, the way he shoots threes. Like, yeah, he hits the threes. But, like, the way he just goes out there, the kid hustles. And he's not a kid anymore, obviously. But, like, he oh, hustles. Man. And his off-ball movement, his defensive, like, abilities at his size. Because, I mean, he's 6'3", but he's scrawny. He's not He's not jacked out there. Just the way that he plays. And, and he wants to win more than anybody else on that court at all times. It doesn't matter who's on that court. It's just the way – like, watching Steph Curry play is literally poetry. It's the same with Kyrie Irving. Kind of that in a different is. way, though. But, like, it's just, like, when you're in there, it's, like, it's Steph Curry's court. Like, He's going to do whatever he wants. And if you can, if you can match that, then you're going to win. If you can't, then he's going to drop 50 and they're going to win. And that's like, it's awesome to watch. Yeah. Like you said, it's poetry in motion. Like he'll run three circles around someone, glide over to the corner, catch it, shoot it, turn around, and he'll just drop it in. He's heading back. Beating his chest or doing a little shimmy and awesome. Fun to watch. And he has fun with it. He's just, he's the scariest player watch if you're going up against them because yes. you know he's just gonna go in like i it's, just it's remember like video games last year last year one of the best games i've ever watched actually was the celtics versus the warriors when the warriors came to the garden it was a duel between steph and uh jt i think they both had 50 like steph curry just can do whatever he wants whenever he wants you have to guard him full court or he's gonna make a shot from half court as if it's a layup so it just the fact that he can do that and the fact that everyone's playing well in the Warriors and the fact that they're still missing their second and third best players is just a crazy thought to me. 
especially with Curry being being a, a Thunder fan here. I mean, back in I think 2015 when he hit that half quarter against the Thunder to win the game, like it's just insane how he has the how the team has the faith to, to just let him do whatever. Steve Kerr just lets him do whatever, not even calling the timeout when they have one there. And then the fact that he can just hit that so little effort. Yeah, it's like he had like four seconds on the clock right there, and he just took like a half court shot because he just hit it, like because he, he can't, which is insane. And the fact that you close your eyes and be like, "Shit, this is going in." Whenever Steph shoots it, no matter how contested he is, no matter where he is on the court, is just a fear factor. I can't even imagine how the defenders feel. Yeah, it's definitely not fun. But moving on, uh, number two, kind of as we should suspect, I would. Like at the beginning of the season, if you ask me where they'd be now, I'd guess one. That's the Brooklyn Nets. They do not have Kyrie Irving. They're sitting at ten and four, moving up on the past week. Um, James Harden started off kind of slow due to that new um, rule with the foul that was kind of made literally around the way he plays. Um, but he's still James Harden. He's still gonna go out and hit shots. Lamarcus Aldridge came back out of a quick retirement and is actually playing pretty good. And then obviously we know Kevin Durant's Kevin Durant. Um, the Brooklyn Nets sitting at number two, exactly where they should be. Um, as you said, Stav, earlier, we're going to see Warriors-Nets tonight. I think that's at 7.30, right, tonight, Tuesday night? That's going to be a great game to watch. I'm interested to see. Actually, I'm going to ask around. I'm going to go first, though. I think the Warriors got this one. I'll start with Darren. Who do you think is going to win that matchup? Obviously, the, the recording will be out by then, but we were, we were recording the before. You got the Warriors stopped? I got the Warriors. Steph's not being stopped out there. Warriors by 20. 20, Willie. Warriors. Warriors all day. Wow. Clean, clean sweep. I think it's going to be a great game. I think Draymond might go off on defense and with the assist. Draymond's like playing point guard out there for them, which is like so fun to watch because he can actually, he can truly just create. I would say since we all said Warriors, probably bet the Nets. Yeah, so I'm probably I'm probably gonna hammer the Nets money line. <laughs> I'll pick the Warriors. Nets money. Line. <laughs> yeah, <that's funny. laughs> uh, all right, moving on to number three. Um, we have the finals running runner up from last year. That's the Phoenix Suns sitting at nine and three, a better record. Uh, yeah, you could say a better record than the Nets percentage wise. Um, exactly where you should see them. The book, DeAndre Ayton, I want to say they picked up – yeah, they picked up JaVale McGee. It says it right in these notes. They picked up JaVale McGee. I love JaVale McGee. I think he still can produce. I think he's a Hall of Famer. <laughs> he's a Hall of Famer, Darren? I think so. He's got the accolades. I mean, he's got a little shacked in a pool moments, but he's he's been there and he, he steps up. The, the way that they do the Hall of Fame um, for the NFL is similar to the way that they do it for the NBA – and it's not even close to how they do it for the MLB. It's just like if he changed the game. And, and um, I've heard David Baker, who's like the head of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, said it best. It was, can this person's name or can the game of basketball be said without this person's name? And if it can't, then he should be in the Hall of Fame. I think JaVale McGee through the 2010s just had so many moments. He's got to be there. He He had so many moments. And then with the Lakers, when he won it, he was good. And with the Warriors, when he won it, he was good. So, like, he's always been a good player. It's just he has, like, these dumb moments every year in there. I think, like, JaVale McGee is so athletic, so tall. He is a great player, and he fits really good with the Suns. They're 6-0 when he's starting, too. 
Yeah, I know. It's, it's in the numbers. <laughs> why, why? So Hall of, Hall of Famer JaVale McGee carried the Suns to the three. Um, number four, um, not who we should be seeing, is the Washington Wizards, also at nine and three. Um, the Wizards have been ripping it up. I want to say they played the Celtics twice, and they beat them both times. And, yeah, they beat them both times. And I feel like every year we have troubles against the Wizards. I know last year we definitely did. But um, I don't know how, but Brad Beal just does it during random stretches of the seasons, and he just so happened to start off hot. I think he'll fizzle down, like, really soon. I think the the Wizards are kind of an interesting team because everyone kind of expects them just to fall off. Like, everyone I've talked to about the – like, in the limited conversations I've had about the Wizards, but, like, everyone's like, ah, they'll come back down to earth. But, like, what if they don't? I mean, they have kind of a solid rotation going. They got Spencer Dinwiddie, who's a solid point guard. Yeah, you got a superstar in Bradley Beal. I'll call Bradley Beal a superstar and defend that statement. If you average 30-plus a game, you're a superstar. Kyle Kuzma's playing all right. Like, and Kyle Kuzma gets a lot of hate just because he was on the Lakers and their market just didn't like him. He didn't fit with LeBron. As it's a common theme in a lot of places where guys who don't fit with LeBron go to other places and excel. Yep. Especially with Lonzo. Interesting. Yep. Yeah. Lonzo. Lonzo. I don't know how the Bulls are not top five in this power ranking because I wanted to get to them too. I, I'm scrolling down. They're at seven. They seven. should be top five. Like, I think they should be top five That's as ridiculous. Well. And, and speak. I just think. No, go. What you were gonna say. Spe- speaking, I just want to say. Speaking on Kyle Kuzma, don't say that name a lot because Will will get a little bit too excited. Will is like the biggest Kyle Kuzma fan I've ever met in my life. <laughs> the man still has potential. Like he, <laughs> he loves them. Like, Will, I'm still on the way. The whole that, that left the Lakers during that year still have a chance to become a better player during the offseason it's literally happened every time will would tell me like three times a week he's like we would like just somehow be in nba talks and he's like i hope kyle kuzma goes to like the kings so he can just like be by himself and go off (laughs) and like he's doing all right with the the wizards what what is he averaging right now I don't know exactly, but I don't even think he's starting right now. But he's coming off the bench and providing quality minutes because they have a tall lineup. I can see him getting to like a, a Brandon Ingram kind of level. Like level. Yeah, he's he's averaging, averaging six, three, and one in six games. Nope, that's not true. No, he's averaging 15 on 40. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that with I, 10 I rebounds a game and two assists. Yeah, I don't know what stat they just pulled up for me there yeah no so he's not doing too bad give him give him a couple yeah. more touches will and he's he's a hall of famer like javel mcgee i wouldn't go that far <laughs> but but <laughs> at, number, at number five we got the nuggets the only thing i like i don't even want to talk about the nuggets the only thing i've seen for them was when Jokic like pushed marquise morris after marquise morris like stepped in front of him and then the whole heat team tried to meet the nuggets in the nuggets locker room and they wouldn't get let in that's the only thing. So, I mean, I think the Heat, the Heat are at six. The Heat should be five just because of that moment because they wanted all the smoke. I would put them at five over the Nuggets just because of that. He had it coming to him. I'm going to be honest. He had it coming to him 100%. Yeah. This yeah. was long overdue for someone to actually react to the nonsense he does on a day to day basis. Yeah, no, that's facts. That's facts. 
Um, but the last two teams we got to cover, we're going to start off um, with the Celtics at 19, my favorite number. Um, they, they're listed six and seven here, but they're now seven and seven. They got a tough week ahead of them, though, against Atlanta, um, the Lakers, and then we're going to talk about the Thunder a little bit. But, yeah, ranked at 19, they're on their way up, hopefully. Um, so, yeah, we'll keep going. We just talked about them, so we're going to move on. Number number 23, Darren, the Oklahoma City Thunder. We talked about them the last – or not last week, but the week before when they were ranked last. Darren, what has changed within this ball club in the last two weeks? We've entered the torture chamber. Oh, Plain no. and simple, Lou Dort <laughs> stepped up. Lou Dort. Uh, he's now the, he's the number two option for the Oklahoma City Thunder. I believe he's averaging 15.8 points per game. When you think of him as like a Andre Roberson style player, like in the past few years, like 15.8 is a lot for him. He's been hitting his right. threes. He's, he's improved on the offensive side of the ball. SGA has been leading this young team. Uh, and then Josh Gaty's just impressing a lot of people with his playmaking. He's just making yeah. the right decisions out there. He's, he's kind of like a Mac Jones out there. I, I love Josh Giddy, and I don't know if you remember the um, pregame draft or the pre-draft analysis was like his his weakness was literally like basketball, and like we all knew like he's he's a foreign prospect and he's like a draft prospect. He's gonna be nasty because we don't see them very often, and when we do see them, they're good. And Josh Giddy is a clown too. Like he's awesome. He's gonna be great for like their marketing. He's got a great TikTok account. Awesome, <laughs> awesome. But I love Shy. I love Lou Dort. You know I love Lou Dort. Um, Baisley's kind of getting in and actually going to work for them. Mike Muscala, who's like 45 years old. Derek Favors, the same thing. Um, Darren, I haven't heard much from Poku this year, so I don't know how that's going over there. How's that project going? Um, I mean, he's been a little quiet, but he's he's progressing. I mean, I saw a nice uh, – I think in the last game – last night against the Heat in the – 10390 loss. I think he had this uh layup where he was like diagonal midair. I don't know. Might be it. Might be it might be time for an NBA logo change. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's the Thunder Darren's team right at number 23. Um and then real quick, I just wanted to cover a little bit of the MLB um before we get taken away. Um AL and NL rookie of the year came out. The rest of the awards are coming out on Thursday. We had Randy Rosarena win in the AL. We had Jonathan India win in the NL. I thought that's exactly who I predicted at the end of the season, who they were going to um, pick. Um, if anything, not Randy Rosarena. I think Wander Franco also had a great year. I think um, – who's the kid from the Astros? To Tucker? Kyle Tucker, he's a rookie too, right? He, he had a pretty good year, but a little bit more in the playoffs, which I don't think they count for. But I think Randy Rosarena and Jonathan India, 100% fair. Um, free agency, though, we have Erod, no longer a Red Sox. He, he signs with the uh, Tigers, five years, $77 million, 28-year-old pitcher. Um, there were a lot of talks about him leaving. We were almost 100% sure of it until he pitched that great game against the um, – ooh, why am I blanking on that? The Rays, he had a good yes, game. In the, yes, the um, Rays. ALD. Yeah, the Rays in the AL. And even against the Astros. He did pitch pretty well. Yeah, no, you're right. I think he had that good two-game stretch, and it was like, wait, why not pick him back up? But I also 
would not have wanted to pick him up for $77 million. Um, I don't know. Like, the Tigers aren't good, obviously. They're at the bottom of the power rankings and of um, of the league pretty much the whole year. The Tigers just like to throw out money. Tigers always have some good pitchers. I don't think I don't think he'll do much for the Tigers, but uh, thanks, Erod. Um, and then next up, we got Syndergaard going to the Angels. One year, twenty one million dollars. I like this signing for the Angels. I want I want to see the Angels make some uh, make some big signings this year. Like, why not make moves? You have the pieces. You have the core right now. Yeah, you don't want to lose. I was going to say out of this prime. Exactly. That's that's facts. No, I, I was going to say. Um, I know me and Stop talked about this earlier today, like around the time when it happened. But like pretty much like they like they can make all these moves and become pretty much instead of like a mid to high tier team, like they can become like legitimate and like have a shot at the World Series. But it really all depends on if Mike Trout decides that his hamstring takes like a few weeks or the whole season. Like that's really his choice. Right. And obviously they have Shohei, who everybody knows and loves. So, I mean, if they can make some smoke with those pieces, they'd be a fun team. Mike Trout. um some people's goats, even one, one of the best players, probably the best player in the league in the past 10 years. Um, Shohei on the rise. Why, why not make it? They have a few good pieces on the corners as well. Why not make a few moves, get some more pitching, get a little bit more hitting, a little bit more feeling and kind of try to make, make some waves over there. Um, be a nice little fun team. But um, yeah, I, I, I don't really have anything else, guys. Anybody else? Anybody else have anything? all good i think that's it all right well all good yeah hope you guys enjoyed thank you stop thank you darren for hopping on this episode hope you guys had a good time i feel like it was good we gelled well so yeah make sure you check out the socials at inside the five pod on instagram and on twitter check out our website inside the five.net and we will see you on friday I swear I've been betrayed One too many times Too many to count Yeah All the nights I prayed Solid how I stayed No matter how they played it I still don't mind Whoa Yeah There's too many to count Hey, hey. Times I've been betrayed What is that about? This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.